This is the Monday Mindset Podcast, where we share things of interest to us and hopefully to you. So let's get started with episode number 38. This week, it's Terry's turn to share something that she's found interesting. What have you got for us today, Terry? Well, I went back, Daisy, to one of our favorites. Both you and I shared this favorite, I think. And it's an episode of Brene Brown's podcast, Unlocking Us. It is called Permission to Feel with Dr. Mark Brackett. Hmm. I had listened to it several months ago, and then I got the audio book, and his book is called Permission to Feel. And I really enjoyed it and had almost kind of forgotten about it at some level. And then it came up in my work community. People started talking about it. So I went back to listen to this episode again. But what I really like about overall this whole book is the idea that so many areas in our lives can be improved if we are able to feel our feelings. And unfortunately, it's something we are never taught to do. There's really no kind of emotional regulation taught. (laughs) And his program actually does that. He works in schools. He and his uncle created a program to use in schools to really teach how to acknowledge and experience emotion. And I just think this is a fascinating new approach and that the more people that can learn this, the better. He goes through his story. He was um, sexually abused as as a child and had a lot of emotions that were all kind of locked up inside of him and didn't really have anyone. His parents weren't really able to talk with him about it or acknowledge why he was acting certain ways, but he had this uncle who was. And kind of going back to some things you and I have talked about, like this kind of nurturing coach kind of person that his uncle was able to just sit with his feelings and, and acknowledge and give him permission to feel. And in his research, he's a professor in the Child Study Center in the Yale School of Medicine at Yale University and founding director of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. In his research, he has found that About two-thirds of students, so school-age students, don't feel that they have an adult at school that can kind of help them navigate feelings. And many of them also feel alone at home with that as well. So he goes into this whole piece about permission to feel. And really, he talks about that as being the first step that's so important. Many of us have learned not to give ourselves permission to feel because it's going to affect someone else. It's not ladylike, it's not being a man or whatever. We're taught to ignore or suppress our feelings. So the first key is really giving yourself permission because then you can experience and regulate the emotion, but you have to be willing to feel it. Brene Brown shared some research that she's been doing on emotion and She had done this big study of checking with people about their ability to identify their emotion and the emotion of others. And in general, they could only name three emotions. Hmm. That was kind of the max. (laughs) And so it just really points out how out of touch many of us are with our feelings and other people's feelings. So Mark Brackett talks about the idea of working on being an emotional scientist versus an emotional judge. 
So the idea is to be aware of emotions, pay attention to them, see what they do, see how people respond, figure out what you do with them. So really observing and studying them versus judging them, condemning them, or promoting only certain ones. So I think this is a a great kind of just framework to think about. So Brene Brown kind of asked him, why is emotion so important? Why are our feelings so important? Why would people invest in this? So he goes and works with, you know, CEOs and major companies, and so does she. And so he said, really, um, there are five areas in our lives where emotion really matters and can improve things. So for example, emotions are linked with our cognitive abilities. So go back to his story. When he was young and feeling all of these intense feelings that he didn't know what to do with, it impaired his school functioning. He didn't do well in school. Hard to do that when you're sitting in shame and fear and anxiety. And that's interesting because that's often where uh, particularly abuse gets spotted, isn't it, in school? Mm -hmm. Because of that reason. If people are looking for that. Yes, very true. Emotions have an effect on our decision-making. So one study he talked about is they had teachers focus on good mood memories or bad mood memories. And they focused on this for like five minutes. And then they graded student papers. And what they found is that those who had focused on a negative mood, they gave those papers one to two grades lower. Mm than those who had focused on positive experiences. So it affects our decision-making. Emotions are signals to approach or avoid. So they affect our relationships. You know, even our facial expressions. Um, If you think about the phrase, resting bitch face, (laughs) that can turn people off and Mm. have them not approach you. Now, if that's what you're going for, that's great. But if you're lonely and wondering why you don't connect with people, The emotion that you're showing or that they're interpreting affects whether people will approach you. Emotions also affect our mental and physical health. And I think they went through an example on this as far as how it influences what we eat, what behaviors we do, um, and obviously all of the chemicals that our feelings activate within us. And then lastly, that emotions affect performance and creativity. And this is one of his main themes. And so again, teaching at Yale, he he joked that he has many students who kind of disagree with what he's teaching and think this is stupid. This is a waste of time. Look, I got into Yale. I don't need emotional intelligence. And he said, well, you didn't need it to get in, but you're going to need it to get out of here. (laughs) And so I really liked that. But His way of looking at this, too, is for people to really achieve their full dreams, information and knowledge is not enough. They need to know how to navigate things. You know, as well as I do, you may be in a meeting with someone who's brilliant, but can't handle disagreement or can't Mm. handle feeling frustrated or confused or whatever it is. So from there, Brene talked about leadership, and he's also looked at that as well. But what they find is that Leaders are more effective in their role when they exhibit higher levels of emotional IQ because much of what they're doing is they're having to manage other people's emotional 
experiences. So they have to be able to attend to fear, resistance, and feelings mm, because these are what kind of bring out their employees or their uh, those that they are leading bring out their problematic behaviors. And in that light, they talked about the idea that right now we do a lot in response to feelings from the intervention level. And we do very little from the prevention level. And so if we could understand feelings, emotions better, and help people know what to do with them, we would spend a lot less time doing interventions. Mm. And therefore, people could be more productive, people could be happier, all of those things. He has a system that he takes into the schools, as I said, works with school-age students. Um, but this is also a way just to think about it. But he calls it RULER, R-U-L-E-R. R stands for recognition of emotion in self and in others. So primarily face, body, and voice. How do you detect emotions in other people? And um, being aware of them within yourself Later in the podcast, as they were talking about this, Brene said, okay, now wait a minute, I get it. It's recognition of emotion, but where do we usually stumble with that? Or what do we need to do to make that more possible? And he emphasized the need to pause, to pause and reflect and give ourselves time to even observe what's going on in ourselves and in others. And when it comes to recognizing emotion in others, being careful not to attribute feelings to them. Hmm. So if you came on here today and we were talking and you were shouting, rather than saying, well, Daisy, I'm wondering why you're so angry. That's me attributing that. You might be shouting because you're congested and you can't hear very well or, you know, or something else. But we often base our own assessments of people's emotion based on their behavior. And it also can be misleading because, as we all know, people are also kind of, we've learned to fake our emotions. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm fine. Thanks. Mm -hmm. When our house yeah. just burned down the night before or something. <laughs> um, but learning how to recognize emotion is really important step in this. The U stands for understanding of emotion. So understanding kind of the consequences of emotion, where they come from, what they actually kind of mean. So, for example, generally, the feeling of anger is around a theme of injustice. So, when we feel that something has been unjustly done, oftentimes our response is anger. Fear, um, it's around the theme of impending danger. Disappointment is the theme of unmet expectations. And so if, for example, I'm a parent and I'm working with my child who's expressing a lot of anger, maybe rather than just trying to manage the anger, if I understood the theme and where it was coming from, I could actually help address the injustice they're feeling or perceiving. And so understanding the emotion and kind of what it's based on is, is an important theme here. Yeah, it's interesting. That's the same sort of preventative type measure, isn't it? It's mm -hmm. seeing what the step before it is rather than being reactive is trying to figure out mm -hmm. what comes first and treating that rather than the reactive emotion. And helps you assess what to do about it. Mm, exactly, yeah. 
you know, if your child is throwing a tantrum, obviously you want to stop the tantrum, mm. but you don't just punish them for a tantrum. You try to understand what's underlying this. Can we address those mm. needs? Yeah. Then the next part in the ruler model is L, labeling. He talks about this a little bit. It's kind of going to a granular level of it. And the best I could kind of pull from it is that it's even being able to decipher the differences. So what's the difference between frustrated and irate? Even though they're in the anger family, they're very different levels of it. So you can respond differently to the different kind of levels of the feelings. Because you can see why this is an emotional intelligence course, can't you? Because it is something yeah. that you kind of need to study to really get to grips Absolutely. with. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So the R-U-L, those first three, are kind of the experiential part, ex recognizing the emotion, understanding the emotion, and labeling it. And then the next two, the E and the R, are a little bit more about what do we do with the emotion. So the E stands for expressing. And expressing it appropriately is the key here. And this is kind of dependent on do you have people that you can express it to? Are you in an environment where that's safe to do so and that you'll be heard? But I think the key thing here is appropriate, that just because you're angry doesn't mean dealing with it, breaking things is a good way to manage it, but being appropriate with expressing the emotion. And then the R in the model stands for regulating emotion effectively. They spent some time talking about this idea of emotional regulation, which many of us hear about quite often. And one way that he described it, if you could think of it this way, it's a little bit like self-care or coping, but he really likes the term emotional regulation. And key to emotional regulation is you have to want to deal with the emotion. Brene asked, well, what if I say, oh, I'm really angry, so I'm going to ignore that and do something else. I'm going to suppress it. And he said, that's not emotional regulation. Emotional regulation is to acknowledge it and work through the emotion so that it doesn't take over your actions or your decision making. So, allowing yourself to feel without being overpowered by it. And emotional regulation really is also about what do I do with these feelings? Even if I recognize them, what do I do with them? Yeah, that's a very good question because you can, you can be someone who really feels, who recognizes the emotions, but yeah, how do you deal with that? I'm thinking of my last week. I mean, I got so angry and frustrated with various things and people I was having to deal with on the phone and things. I literally thought I was going to spontaneously combust. I was so angry. And yeah, I mean, you know, I was supposed to have a phone conversation with my mother and I said, no, look, it's best I don't talk to you right now because it was so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'd, I'd be fascinated to hear what his tips are about how, you know, how to get rid of those feelings when they, when they do feel so overwhelming. Well, I think a big part of it, and he doesn't go into detail here, but it's not about getting rid of it. It's about allowing it. And Again, if you go to those underlying themes that I mentioned, so if I'm thinking back to the story, part of it is you're so angry because things feel so unjust. Mm. 
it's ridiculous. Or we think about someone has done me wrong. And so I have to stay stuck in this feeling of anger versus, and I know this is a big stretch for for me and most of us, is those are thoughts. Those are our interpretations. And our feelings follow those. And so if I want to stop feeling so angry about this or allow some freedom from this anger, I have to stop repeating that theme to myself. This is so unfair. Mm. That person is such a bully. This rule makes no sense, whatever it is. Because the more I keep reinforcing that underlying belief, I'm going to keep feeling the feeling that kind of correlates with it. Mm, True. But I think in general, if you think about emotional regulation is, again, you have to be aware of the feeling and then you have to find an effective and healthy way to manage the feeling. Let's say, for example, if I'm working on every time I get angry, I eat a lot of sugar or bad foods for me or whatever it would be, to instead, I need to figure out when I start to do that, what am I needing? Because in that moment, I don't need ice cream. (laughs) I need to feel justice. I need to feel Mm. safe. I need to feel heard, whatever it is. So they did talk some about that, you know, in general, our core needs as people are to be seen, known, and loved. In that light, for example, this week, Daisy, when you were so mad, what did you do? You reached out to some people that you knew would see you and know you and love you. You reached out to those of us in you know your kind of circle of connection. And again, that doesn't mean it magically takes it away, mm. but it helps to chip away at, I feel so unheard right now. Why can't they just do what I need them to do? So I, I think you did do an example of emotional regulation. Yes, that's a very good point, actually, because... There's no point in just carrying on raging against the same issue that's Mm -hmm. not going to go away. Yeah, you have to feel it and find a way to disperse it somewhere Mm -hmm. else. And and yes, you're right. If you go back to the reason for that feeling anger and that reason is, Mm -hmm. yeah, a feeling of injustice, a feeling of not being heard or listened to, you can't change the fact that the Mm -hmm. person or people organization whatever it is system that you were angry with and felt injustice with you can't change that Mm -hmm. but you can feel heard and soothed by other people Mm -hmm. so yes kind of yeah thinking out the Mm -hmm. box getting your needs fulfilled somewhere Mm -hmm. else and it does just yeah, take the heat out of it when you're talking about something like anger. Yeah. That's what you need to do, isn't it? Just take some of that heat out and start looking at things in a slightly different way. Absolutely. And for some of us, emotional regulation might mean I'm going to take a time out. I'm going to go sit in a quiet space for a minute and just not have to focus on this. Mm. I'm going to go meditate. I'm going to go for a long walk. I'm going to do physical activity to burn up some of this intensity of this energy that's in me right now. But I think the other piece of it, when we 
really dig into emotional regulation, a lot of times what we do instead of actually regulating our emotions is we try to kind of squash them. Mm. And we do that with things that are often self-harming. So I'm going to drink a lot of alcohol. I'm going to do drugs. I'm going to eat really problematic food. I'm going to binge eat. I'm going to fight with someone. You know, we it's almost like acting out against this intensity of feeling versus recognizing what it is and allowing it to just kind of ebb. Yes, it put an image in my mind, actually, when you were talking about those different things, is the difference between imagining whatever the emotion is that builds up. You need to let it flow and for it to find a release, to find a way for it to carry on flowing and flow away. Be that. And I've done that. I remember when I was doing the couch to 5K and so I was you know, doing some running and I can remember getting very, very irritated with somebody. And before I moved on to the next project, right, I'm going to go and do my couch to 5k run because I have a feeling it's going to help. And it did. Mm -hmm. So be it exercise, meditation, talking to people, whatever, as opposed to, and I'm thinking of it as this, this entity that's flowing. And the last thing you want to do is to block that, is to suppress mm -hmm. it in any way. And, and that was the image that came to mind when you were talking about, yeah, the difference between allowing it to flow and suppressing it mm -hmm. with food or alcohol or whatever. By doing that, you're blocking that flow and that's when it, you know, starts festering and building and, and just ends up getting even worse. And Brene Brown has a, a saying that goes with that. And they talked about some other examples too. But she says, unfelt emotions are not benign. Mm. So we feel that by shoving it down, I'll be okay. And in actuality, that just festers in various forms for us. And again, if you kind of go back to one of his overarching themes here is he wants everyone to be living their best life mm. and having a full range of emotions. And you and I have talked about this in other episodes as well, but allowing ourselves to have a full range of emotions, acknowledging them, that is part of it, that we actually can be more productive and creative. We can have better relationships. Um, we can do better in our learning or whatever by allowing feelings to be a part of our life and giving ourselves permission Again, something that many of us learn to not, like specifically to prevent ourselves from doing. The idea that to allow the feelings is so much healthier for us. So that's my big takeaway from, from the episode and the book. And they give, he shares some examples in the book too of the power of kids getting to learn how to hear other kids' feelings and be with and be compassionate really some touching examples, even if, you know, sometimes avoided a fight from happening when kids could really be seen and mm. heard by each other. So it's a really powerful thing. I think it's great that he's doing it. And I hope that, you know, in listening to this, if people are interested in obviously listening to the original episode or even reading the book, I think helping ourselves as adults to allow our own feelings and giving ourselves permission. And also if we have contact with other people, giving them permission and kids, I think things can be 
different the more our feelings are actually heard. And I don't mean pandered to either. Mm. So I think sometimes people think, oh, we're just going to have a bunch of crybabies doing this. And that's not at all what I mean. I think by giving people permission to have their feeling, we actually, it allows better self-regulation of emotions. It's when they're denied or ignored that they come out in problematic ways in meetings or friendships or whatever. I love the idea of them going into schools. I, you know, I can see it being a very useful subject actually to be taught in school. You know, like I said earlier, I can, I can see how, yeah, this is really something that deserves time to be thought about and studied and learned about because it is so important with how we function in day-to-day life. Did they mention anything about the difference in gender? It brings to mind, and I can't for the life of me remember who was giving this um, presentation. I can't even remember if it was a serious lecture, but they were talking about the difference between men and women and I think he was asking it was it was a lecture because he was asking the people in the room to put their hands up if they'd had a conversation about feelings in the last week and basically all the women in the room (laughs) put their hands up you know one or two men and he sort of you know narrowed it down asking more people and 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 basically the overarching theme was that in general women tend to talk about feelings with girlfriends whereas men don't and I mean hopefully that's changing and I think it would it would change a lot more if people like this went in and and talked to kids in school and made it become part of the norm but I, I don't know if they touched on the gender differences when it comes to talking about emotions and feelings in the podcast. She mentioned at one point something about a gender difference, but it wasn't about talking about emotion. But I think the big thing there may also be just the genders may respond to emotions differently. Mm. But I think based on gender, we're taught certain emotions are okay Mm. and only okay for girls or only okay for boys whereas all feelings are okay for all of us and we need to learn how to have them and and do them safely. You mentioned the importance of the idea that doing this in school seems so important. And that's really his emphasis that this should be a school subject that's taught. Mm. But even in the schools where they do this, he may often get resistance from the administrator or from the teachers. Like I'm I'm a teacher, I'm not a social intelligence or you know emotional intelligence instructor. He has to work with people to help them understand the better you are equipped to do that, the more effective you are to teach other things. Mm. Or when he goes into a company, the CEO might say, look, I run a business here. I don't need to know this. And again, he has to help them see the better able you are to do this, the more effective your company is going to be, Mm. the more heard your employers or management team feels, the better they're going to be able to perform their duties. So it's not just, oh, let's all sit around a campfire and feel our feelings. It's really about teaching people, again, how to manage theirs, to regulate their emotions, and to 
help others regulate emotions. Yes, and actually, I imagine that the people who put up the most resistance are the people who would probably benefit most from it. But I think I think the clues in the name, really, I mean, talking, referring to it as emotional intelligence, that's absolutely key. For me, anyway, that gives an appearance, if you like, that sort of takes away that sort of that touchy-feely aspect. It's It makes it sound important and necessary emotional intelligence this is something Mm -hmm. that you know we as intelligent human beings need to know how to do yeah it's a knowledge base and a skill yeah that can enhance Mm. all parts of our lives our relationships our businesses whatever it is absolutely Mm, definitely well i think the big thing that i'm gonna take away is that taking a step back or looking back to the thing that caused the emotion and what it is that I actually need rather than focusing so much on the emotion itself mm-hmm. because that's going to help me figure out how to how to deal with it more effectively. Very good. And go and listen to the episode. It's one that I haven't listened to yet. It's uh, escaped my radar. So I will go and listen to the episode too. Thank you very much. Obviously, as someone who really likes Brene Brown, I think you'll enjoy listening to it Mm. because she is totally, she says, I'm going to geek out here. She really gets into (laughs) it. So it's a good one. So I hope everyone can take something from this and help themselves and help their loved ones, their children, whoever, but to give permission to feel. Take good care, everybody. Have a great week. Mm